Welcome to the Cap City Authors Podcast. This is episode 198. You've got Chris and Brian, and today we're going to talk about things around your house or in your house or regarding your house that can kill you other than bullets. Yes. Um, we had a couple customers have very scary incidents um, back over the last couple months. So some lessons learned that they've shared with us that we want to pass along to you. Yes. And then possibly some other things going around um, in the industry related to guns and stuff. And this will be a little bit of a gump cast, so it'll be, you know, as it comes. Yeah, as bear a, with us. This, this is a free flow, baby. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, let's start off. Can we start with carbon dioxide? Because that, yeah. that that was kind of a come to Jesus. Uh, one of our customers, uh, uh, wife and, and kid at home, um, experiencing really bad headaches. Um, customer uh, found himself uh, checking his pulse because he felt like his pulse was elevated. Um, at, at kind of an indisposed moment and realized his pulse was chasing like 160, 170, was, was way, 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 way. Uh, and this is not under any kind of exertion or anything like that. Um, proceeds to go, you know, hey, something's really weird. Talk to the wife. The wife's got a headache. The daughter's throwing up. Um, and, and like literally in, in like in the back of his reptile brain is going, Hey, this is like carb. This sounds like the symptoms of carbon monoxide poisoning, you know, or something like that. Knowing something was very, very wrong. Uh, got everybody outside, caught it, got everybody outside, and everybody just wanted to take a nap. I just want to go lay down. I'll feel better if I just go lay down, which would have been a very, very, very bad thing. Yeah. Um, so they they did they did go outside uh, again, and, and it and ended up with a couple of them vomiting, two out of three, maybe three out of three, I'm not sure. Uh, went ahead and called the medics. Medics showed up, did carbon monoxide testing, or like, oh, yeah, you guys are all going to the hospital. And so after, you know, I don't know, something like eight to 12 hours of recovery in the hospital, getting oxygen, this, that, and the other, finally got their O2 levels back up to where they were supposed to be. Um, you know, the, the symptoms for this stuff, unfortunately, is, hey, I just want to lay down. And then if you press through it is the vomiting and all that too. Um, but it was one of those deals where carbon monoxide detectors, uh, likely 10 plus years old in the house, uh, something that says right on the label, which you threw away 10 years ago, that it needs to be replaced every 8 to 10 years, something like that. Self-contained units are available. Um, and then some things around placement and stuff like that. Um, yeah. You know, they should be placed at, at, at basically head level for the space in which they exist. So if it's your TV room or your living room or your whatever where you're, you're seated on a couch, it should be around head level in that room so that that's where it's reading from. Um, if it's in your bedroom, it should be at head level for your bed when you're laying down. Uh, if it's if it's in your kitchen, it needs to be follow the manufacturer's instructions, obviously, but at least a minimum of six feet from your stove, because your stove, especially if you have a gas stove, is going to put off some carbon monoxide. When you're cooking in certain environments, you're putting off some carbon monoxide if you're yeah. searing food and stuff like that. Um, so it needs to be a minimum of six feet or whatever the manufacturer's instructions are from the stove so that you're not getting false readings and stuff like that, you know, false alarms uh, as, as well. Um, but this was, like I said, this was one of the things where the, the medics and the folks in the hospital, when they saw the saturation levels and stuff like that, were, were alarmed. We're like, this, this was very real. You guys were in a very, very bad place. You were right on the edge of this becoming deadly. Yeah. Just, just flat out. Not to put, you know, that's not too sharp a point. That's the point of it. Is that it's deadly. Um, th this kind of hit home for me because my dad, as a young kid, uh, grew up in a, a small little house in the south end of Columbus, and they had a situation where they had a carbon monoxide issue, and I think it was with a furnace, and had a boxer dog, and the dog woke my grandmother up in the middle of the night. 
Um, my, my grandmother was feisty. I don't know if she was even five feet tall. I think she made it to like, like literally like four foot nine or something like that. And she was a fireball. Um, and, and the dog woke up in the middle of the night and it was one of those where the dog obviously knew something was wrong and nobody else did it and, and flat out if the dog hadn't woke him up, I probably wouldn't be here, uh, which means you guys wouldn't have to suffer through this podcast and hearing my voice. So it might've been better for you, but for me, I'm, you know, it's, it's, it is a real thing. So just be aware of that. Um, anything, you know, anything that basically consumes oxygen, oxidizes stuff can create carbon yeah. monoxide, whether that's a chemical environment or whether it's a flame based environment, whatever. Um, you know, so just be aware of that if you haven't replaced your carbon monoxide uh, detectors in your home and it's been, you know, probably more than, I, I don't know, just look it up and see, but look and see yeah. what the manufacturers recommend. Most of them will say they'll have an expiration date on them, whatever. And then the same thing along with that too. Most of the unit, new units, it sounds like, are self-contained. There's not necessarily replaceable batteries. It's like a 10-year unit. Uh, so, you know, take a look into stuff like that. Um, and, and along with that, you know, smoke detectors, they say... What do they say? Is it is it time change? Yeah. That you're supposed to do it, um, or do it on do it on your birthday, or do it on New Year's. Just be consistent yeah. every year. Yeah, and guess what? Um, today is uh, January 14th, so you're two weeks behind if you haven't done it yet. Um, so you know, but definitely one of those things that just that, that's really scary. This guy comes in with a um, with a hey, guess what happened to me kind of story, and he's one of these dudes who's very positive and very bubbly. And, and has a great sense of humor and, and likes to laugh at himself as well as others. And he starts telling this story and it's like, that's not even close to funny. That's scary as hell. Uh, so Mark, thank you for sharing that with us so that we could pass it along. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe it does somebody else some good. Maybe it's a reminder for somebody else and maybe it saves a life. So thanks for sharing that with us because it, it is a big deal. Just something you don't think about. Yeah, and this is all off of a relatively new, like less than two years old. Um, gas range. They yes. were using the oven to yep. cook the turkey for Thanksgiving. Okay, yeah. Um, that was the longest they'd ever run the oven continuously. Yeah. I think before it was like doing maybe a cake or a thing of brownies, so there wasn't yeah. the continuous you know level of stuff being put off um, you know in a sealed, relatively sealed environment yeah. um, based on you know time of year and whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, and the, the context of that. No, we don't think you should ban gas stoves. We're not Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom's a douche. Um, but there's a reality check to if it puts flame out, you know, there's something to check on to. Um, I, I don't know, you know, what testing looks like, if there's a device you can buy to test that, or, you know, if there are people that come out and do that kind of stuff too. Uh, but I just, you know, that kind of got me in the mindset around our home. Um, gas hot water heater, gas. Um, you, you got a gas stove. Yeah, gas stove, uh, which we use, we bake, we cook on, etc. I mean, we cook from scratch at home a lot. Um, gas furnace. Uh, but but I don't I'm not I don't think anything else. But you know so anyways, kind of just where we I, I guys you know took the CO detectors and actually kind of put them in that room with the furnace and the hot water heater to see hey is anything weird there and, and no. Um, but that would be another reason for it. things like checkups on your furnace on a yearly basis. Most of the reputable companies that come out and do that kind of work are going to do a CO test on your device. Um, on the fall checkup and then yeah. you know the summer checkup is usually on the on the uh air conditioning side of the house which may or may not utilize flame depending on how old the system is and things of that nature so yeah just be aware of that like i said testing's available the carbon monoxide testers or carbon monoxide detectors are available in one pack three pack um you can buy them in contractor packs they're based on the risk they're dirt freaking cheap um so you know take a look replace yeah. them replace the batteries whatever's appropriate um 
and and wake up to fight another day. Yeah. So yeah, that was really scary. So yeah, the other one involved uh, a out of control grease fire on a gas stove. Yes. Oh, um, damn gas yeah. stoves! Trying to kill the world. They probably killed the dinosaurs. I bet gas stoves Dude. are why the dinosaurs aren't alive anymore. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. So, um, talk about that. Yeah, somebody left a burner, something on the burner, forgot about it for a moment or two, too long, mm-hmm. um, caught fire, and then wasn't quite able to put it out. Um, yeah. The pan ended up getting tossed out of an open, a, a hastily opened window, uh, and that yeah. is what saved the day, because they did not have a way to extinguish said fire yeah. inside of the kitchen. Yeah, so they removed the fire from the kitchen, um, you know, have an embarrassing spot in your backyard for next year's summer picnics and whatnot. You know, and a hell of a story to yeah. tell, um, but that falls under the kind of that have a plan kind of thing. Um, you know, grease fires, you can't throw uh, water on them. You're just going to make it worse. You're going to spread it if you throw water on it. So you kind of need one of the ABC marked kitchen fire extinguishers, garage fire mm-hmm. extinguishers. Um, and then understand under, understanding how to use it is actually super critical in this conversation. Um, you know, at the base of the flame, etc., and use the whole daggone thing. I don't care. Yeah. Burn it all up because you're choking it. And if you let it get going again, it's going to do the exact same thing again. Um, the idea of if you, you know, like I, I can remember my grandmother, um, you know, she cooked with lard. Uh, she fried stuff in a pan on a regular basis. Um, God bless her soul, you know, and, and she was an amazing cook. She kept a big thing of like Arm & Hammer baking soda next yeah. to the stove and if stuff flared up, which she was a pro, it never did. But if stuff flared up, that was the whole idea. The, well, the, the thing next to the stove of baking soda was because it had done it once at some point and you weren't gonna be without it ever again. Uh, fair warning, a thing of baking soda, you better catch it quick because if it gets going at all, that thing of baking soda is is trying to like trying to like piss on a bonfire and put it out. It's not gonna happen. So, uh, so be aware that some of the some of the homemade remedies of doing that. Um, heard a nasty story about somebody in a similar situation, uh, fire on the stove. Um, thought, oh, baking soda. I'll throw baking soda on it. Crap, I don't need baking soda. Let's try flour. Ooh. Um, flour, flour will burn. It will also explode. If it's if spread out in the away. air enough, it will, it, will, it will conflagrate. I don't know if it technically detonates, but it'll conflagrate. Um, which is kind of what your powder does inside your cartridge when the when the primer is struck with the firing pin it ignites the powder and the powder is a conflagration not technically a detonation I don't think because it's not compressed um, it will freaking burn it will explode it'll blow out windows and eardrums and all kind of fun stuff like that and maybe not blow the fire out now if this was like John Wayne in that old-timey movie where they had to go in and, and blow up the oil rig that was on fire and use dynamite to put it out um, don't use dynamite to put out a grease fire in your kitchen. And that would be the same thing as throwing a bunch of flour on it and, and aerosolizing it and letting it explode in your kitchen. Might be super good entertainment for the neighbors. And it definitely gives the firemen something to talk about, to tell for years, you know, the cautionary stories. But yeah, the grease fire thing, for sure. Uh, have a good fire extinguisher. Have a big enough fire extinguisher. And, and you know, in the in the, like you said, you stepped away for just a minute or two too long. Stuff happens fast. Yeah. Stuff happens fast. There's a reason why... Lots of kitchen appliances, anything involving grease, deep frying stuff, whatever. Say, don't step away. For, you know, be maintain, maintain. You know, visual contact with whatever's going on. Um, and and I will absolutely say, you know, been guilty in the past of you know cooking in the kitchen, stepping away from something. You're chasing kids down, blah blah blah. Um, be aware of that. Just just be aware of that. That you need to be you know you need to be present for those types of events. Um, no different than you know deep frying a turkey. You know, on your back porch. 
Um, if you have a wood deck, don't, don't do, do it. it on the wood deck. Um, you know, find a piece of concrete or do it out in the grass in the yard, whatever, same kind of thing. Because if it, if it tips over or it goes up, um, it's it's interesting. You can go, go to YouTube and search turkey fryer shenanigans, and uh, you will probably never think about frying a turkey ever again after watching yeah. some of that. Although in those videos, there's a lot of, hey, y'all, watch this. <laughs> Uh, I think Mark LaRue actually did um, a really some good videos demo on how to do did it some properly. Demos on how to do it properly, how to do it safely. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a multiple person job in a safe environment. Um, you know, you, you thought LaRue Tactical only did cool gun shit. They do some other neat stuff too. Mm. So yeah. Anyway, um, just remember if you ever meet Mark LaRue in person, don't hug him. He does not appreciate it. So cool. Uh, those are the yeah. were there other PSAs? Those are the two big ones. Oh, I'm gonna throw out a third. We got a third. Tire pressure. Yeah, it's winter time. I realize this is not in and around the home, but it's it's part of you know part of your living thing. Uh, this time of year, you know, uh, temperature spikes, temperature fluctuations. Most vehicles have TPMS systems that you know tire pressure monitoring systems that tell you, hey, you're low. Uh, summertime, you might get, hey, you're high. Whatever. Uh, when you start going into you know consistently down around freezing overnight, your tire pressure can be a little bit low. Um, if you are an aggressive driver, <laughs> um, especially in a vehicle that has uh, a fairly high center of gravity, you are putting a boatload of stress on the tire to rim bead intersection, uh, tire bead to rim intersection on that vehicle. And as your tire pressure drops, tire, low tire pressure is great in sand and mud and off trail on rocks. Uh, but on the highway, when you're trying to make a turn uh, on that tight ramp or whatever, bead separations and just the tires being low can cause weird things to happen. And it doesn't allow the vehicle to have the connectedness with the road um, versus height of center of gravity kind of conversation and stuff goes sideways. Um, so, you you know, a low tire pressures, everybody's like, oh, well, if it snows, I want it to be a little bit low. Probably not doing you a whole yeah, lot of good on actually, the snow. Actually, on snow, uh, yep. having a taller, narrower tire Cuts through. We'll cut through better and yep. gives you more pressure yep. per square inch um, in down through the snow. Yep. So yeah, <clears throat> having higher tire pressures in the snow is to your advantage. Yeah, because if you lower if you lower your pressure, you're you're increasing the size of that contact patch it's and therefore float. decreasing the pressure per square inch of contact for the vehicle. Uh, so you you know, and again in the mud and stuff like that, that's fine. Going over rock crawling, whatever, that's cool because that engages your sidewalls too. In the snow, you don't want sidewall engagement. You want regular tire pressure and want to push through. And on ice, it just sucks. So slow the hell down. Yeah. Um, you know. So and along with that, um, you know, snowy conditions. Um, if you are in the left lane of a of a multi-lane freeway with your blinkers on going 25 miles an hour, uh, do yourself a favor and find a bridge abutment and run into it. Um, <laughs> sorry, I, I don't like you if you do those kinds of things. You can't. We can't be friends. Um, likewise, if you have an SUV, um, it probably tells you something like, do not engage four-wheel drive at over 35 miles an hour. Um, if you're going 70 miles an hour because your vehicle is, is all-wheel drive and you think, oh, well, I'm all-wheel drive, um, find a bridge abutment conveniently and don't do that because it's just freaking stupid. Yeah. Um, Actually, we did a little the, bit of traveling. and the the, bridge abutment will probably find you. Which is cool, too. I'm okay with that. Uh, we did a little bit of traveling uh, right around Christmas, uh, immediately post um, snowpocalypse, um, and the roads up here were 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 pretty rough. Uh, down in Kentucky, not so bad, but the side roads in Kentucky were horrific. 
Uh, along with that, make sure your vehicle's prepared, that you keep it maintained, that your coolant levels are appropriate, your oil level, your oil changes are done regularly, uh, that you keep your windshield wiper fluid full of a non-freezing windshield wiper fluid, something that's winter rated. It's Ohio, it gets cold. Um, and out in the snow, you get salt on your windshield and stuff like that. Melted snow and salt combines to make a sludge on your windshield that when it dries, you can't see through. So you've got to be able to wash it off. Um, you know, maintain those kind of things. If you have a vehicle that, you know, you could tow somebody or pull somebody out of a ditch or something like that, go learn how to do that. Just having the stuff may not matter. Unfortunately, there aren't a lot of places where you can go and take a class and learn how to do that. Um, it's, it, it, I know that those classes exist. They don't exist in Ohio that I'm aware of, but there's a reality check around going out and doing it with your buddies and learning how to make that kind of stuff work too. Uh, we had to tow a vehicle up a very icy small road on a hillside in, in, in eastern Kentucky um, about a quarter mile up the hill because it wasn't going up the hill on its own. Uh, no big deal, four-wheel drive load, decent tires, tow strap, and an understanding of how to use it and, and go slow. So if you got that stuff, learn how to use it, but that's another wintertime PSA. Now that we're in the middle of it, y'all probably could have used this two months ago, but two months ago you wouldn't have done shit about it because it was nice and cozy out. So yeah. maybe you would have. I don't know. Sometimes you pay attention to things we say. Hmm. I hope. <laughs> so, uh, Any other PSAs? Wintertime PSAs? Cold weather PSAs? Yeah, have, you know, snowball gear... Um, also in the vehicle, so yep. sleeping bags, jackets, gloves, yeah, maybe multiple jackets, gloves, insulation layers, um, mm. proper boots, <laughs> especially if you have people that are traveling with you that think that Crocs are proper wintertime. Yeah, no coat. Footwear. No, to, no coat, Crocs, yeah. four-hour drive somewhere. No, false. Yeah. Bring your stuff. Yeah, be, be ready to disembark the vehicle at any moment. Yep. A um, little bit of food, a uh, little bit of way to create heat, chemical hand warmers. Yeah. Um, not not fire, but chemical hand warmers. Um, you know, depending on where you're going, maybe maybe extra gasohol, um, if that's a thing. Uh, you can go to AAA's website and a couple of different websites and look at at different levels of car kits for wintertime. Um, I would guess I don't know this, but I would guess OSP probably has some stuff. Ohio State Patrol probably has some stuff like that on their site too. Um, but look into that. There were it, it wasn't quite Mad Max apocalyptic or like. Um, Katrina trying to get out of, of Katrina, get out of New Orleans to go to Houston, apocalyptic looking. But there were a lot of vehicles in the ditches, in the medians, in the berms yeah. uh, on 71 South. And, and then what you got in Kentucky, it lightened up a little bit. I don't think they got as much snow, but there were still frozen out vehicles, stalled out vehicles and whatnot. Yeah. But there were a lot of off the road, backward, upside down, weird stuff from between Columbus and Cincy from the previous day or so. Um, and and there, to the extent that like, OSP and the sheriff's office were rechecking cars. They're marking cars with like caution tape, yep. and so they didn't have to get back out and check them again because of the conditions. And uh, we saw a couple really unhappy looking state troopers um, wandering off the road to a couple cars that had gone off the road freshly. You know, with this look like, come on, guys, it's been cold for two days now. Can the stupid stop anytime? Um, yeah, so just be aware of that. So crazy stuff. Yep. So, cool. Um, any other PSAs? No, we got kind of happy news um, regarding Form 4s and suppressors. Yeah. Um, we have gotten a lot of them back in, approved yes. um, from the e-file stuff. So Merry Christmas to all of you that got your suppressors. Yes. Um, yeah, anybody who's on the fence about ordering a suppressor or starting the process, um, it looks like the times are starting to come down. 
Yeah. Um, well, or, and then we'll talk about yeah. the next PSA and see how that goes. But for the moment, they are the ATF is pushing e-forms through at a greatly improved pace over the last 30 days. Um, if, if we could ask the favor of, if your Form 4 pops, uh, please give us a call and say, because we may not have seen it. Um, I had a gentleman whose we were closed between Christmas and New Year's just popped on Christmas Day. Um, you know, showed up at 10.05 to pick up his suppressor, and unfortunately, it's got to be pulled out of storage. We've got to make some copies of documents. We've got to get things ready to go. Uh, and also, the notification of, hey, if it's under a trust, you need to bring a copy of your trust with you so that we can out-process it, because we need that for our records from the ATF. Uh, so different things along those lines. So um, if you haven't heard from us and it's been more than 24 hours, please give somebody a call or maybe within more than one business day, give us a call and say, hey, what's going on? No big deal. Um, the pace has been significant of late um, on that and we want to get you your can. Uh, be aware that if you show up out of the blue and say, hey, I'm here to pick it up and no one's called you, you may have a wait. We're going we're gonna to do whatever we can do to make it work for you but it'll be an in-line, first-come, first-serve kind of thing, and because of that process, it may take us some time to get to where we can leave the front of the store, go back to secure storage, pull it out, make copies, etc. So you may be here for a while. Um, we want you to get your toy, but at the rate the ATF's dumping them on us, if it, if it processed at 12.30 a.m. and you're here at 10.02, it's probably not ready to go. Um, so just be aware of that, that you know, the, the e-forms thing has been wonderful. Uh, but when they decided to open the floodgates, um, it, it, there's still some admin work that has to happen along with those devices that, again, is forced on us by the ATF. It's not me going, well, I need to go pet your can a few more times, and, and, uh, you know, and it's really quiet, so I like shooting it. So come get it tomorrow so I can go to the range and shoot a few more rounds through your can. No, I'm not actually doing that, as far as you know. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, Leads us to the second PSA. Things are speeding up, right? Second PSA. Things might be slowing back down. Um, the, the, what's the polite term? The assholes in administration at the ATF? Yeah. There's got to be a worse term than that. I'm going to say assholes right now. Yeah, the we'll, we'll try to keep this relatively family friendly. Yeah, the, the, the rulemakers uh, slash admin at the ATF went ahead and, and released the arm brace thing. Um, we, we are not keen on giving legal advice. Um, I know there's really no significant risk to us because we're knuckleheads who run a gun store, not attorneys, and you're not paying us for advice, but there's a reality check around. I don't want to give you bad advice and get you in trouble because a lot of you are my friends. Yeah, so our advice to you is go read all 277 pages yep. of yes. the document from the ATF and then get an actual competent attorney to interpret it for you. Absolutely. If you can't do that yourself. Yeah. Yeah, and there, and there, you know, from a thirty thousand foot, there's some general overview things. I just don't want to give somebody bad advice, so we're not doing that uh, from a perspective of. But just be aware that they did pass the ruling, um, and if you have something with a brace on it, you you will have an opportunity to do a gratis form one, um, a free form one, um, if you do it within like the next hundred and twenty days starting Friday the 13th ironically or something or like actually that starting when it's a when it's actually approved into the federal register okay um, the document I saw last night off of GOA's email I think it was okay. GOA's email or was it one of the industry emails mm -hmm. um, all of the dates were still like insert date here okay um, oh, because nice. it wasn't actually into the federal register. Okay, so once it's in the register, they're gonna give you X amount of time to apply uh, for the Form 1. Understanding that the federal government processes somewhere between 300 and 400,000 Form 1, Form 4s a year, 
And if 11 billion of you go out and do this, that's going to literally be potentially tens of millions in the backlog status um, on this if it's free. And I think people are going to apply as free. There are some other quirks with this. If you have a trust, um, seek the counsel of the provider of that trust. Um, uh, if that silencer shop, give them a call and ask how this works. If it's the guys at, the, at, at, at say, Barney and DeBras, um, you know, Derek or somebody like that, you know, you, you paid for that service, give them a call and say, hey, how does this affect me? What do we do here? Uh, because it's a little bit quirky from a process perspective. And again, you're going to want that advice of somebody who is an attorney, has read it, can read it and has read it and can give you good advice um, and go from there. So, but yeah, this, the, the ATF strikes again. Um, never underestimate their ability to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory when it comes to making cataclysmically stupid decisions. Um, God, I despise the ATF admin. I mean, with yeah. a passion at this point. Um, between building 2002 websites in 2015 um, and then doing this and the new processes, grr. So, yeah. yeah, so who knows what that'll do to lead times? We, we just don't know, but it, it could make lead times interesting because lead times on Form 1s for the last couple of years have been 30 days or less. Um, that's probably done. So hold on tight. Woohoo! Yeah. The other thing is, this may get stayed. Um, this will likely be challenged almost immediately. So trying to keep up with those updates will make it interesting too. Uh, because it, this is not something that the national news media, that the left stream media is going to, you know, say, hey, this is what's going on. Be aware. They're not going to keep you up to date here. So if you're not a, this would be a great reason to join FPC, Fire Policy Coalition, or Gunners of America, or the NRA. God, I can barely just said the NRA out loud. Um, I don't know if ASA yeah, is going to fall. Like, go, if you're going to spend money, go to Firearms Policy Coalition. Yeah. Um, or, or they G will actually do something about it. Yeah, um, and Buckeye Firearms do. will probably cover this too, yeah. maybe locally. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, 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 I the NRA is in, until they fire the suit monger. Um, it's really hard to give money to the NRA, but they are one of the few effect. I would have said effective. They used to be one of the the, the effective national lobbying organization, and they're still the only national gun lobbying organization that's recognized. Um, and but they haven't done crap for suppressors. They haven't done crap on the brace thing. They haven't done crap on bump stocks. They've really been just in the shadows on all this stuff. So it's kind of hard to recommend them. But whatever, give money to somebody who's fighting for your yeah. rights and buying really nice suits, lots of them. I'd like to see a shoe closet. <laughs> Could we rename him Wayne Marcos, like Imelda Marcos, Wayne Marcos? <laughs> how many shoes does he have? I want to know how many shoes. Pairs of shoes Wayne Lapierre has. Um, I'll give a ten dollar yeah. bill to anybody who can tell me for sure how many shoes he has. Yeah, actually, whenever somebody, whenever the NRA solicitors call you, ask them that, um, just straight up, <laughs> <laughs> and then politely <laughs> inform them that you will happily give them money after they fire Wayne, yeah. which is generally what I do. Yeah, amen. Um, so yeah, yeah. So a little bit of state of the industry, a uh, little bit of. Uh, um, you know, public service announcement, etc. A little bit of gump cast. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a gloomy Saturday morning here in Central Ohio, yeah. and that's not helping. So yeah. On a last note, um, Shot Show is happening shortly after we've recorded this. Yeah. Um, we are as excited about all the new gigas and widgets that people have announced, um, and we'll be trying to bring you know the cool ones that we think are 
really really cool yeah end of the store once they're actually in production and released and available for us to bring them in yeah uh, so if you see something you know at shot show on your instagram or on the internet or whatever mm-hmm. uh on say when this is released so this would be thursday night or friday yeah. uh, we probably won't have it because it's not at our distributors to bring in and generally so be, be patient with us it would be a minimum of 90 days before the distributors can get it, if it's even actually in production by the manufacturer. Yeah. Um, if you've seen the new Magpul uh, case storage divider unit thingies, um, we will actually have those in a couple of weeks. They're on order right now for select cases on some of the select vaults, but on the more common 1750s, they're just they're not even in production yet. Yeah. So just as an example, um, if it's from Surefire, talk to us in 2024, and we'll have a conversation in 2024 about products announced at SHOT Show by Surefire, because that's probably and, about when they'll be ready, yeah. maybe. And that's the products from 2022. <laughs> <laughs> Which was a year ago, in case you're keeping track. Uh, yeah, yeah, this is... So anyway, yeah, we, we, we always get the, I saw this at SHOT Show, breathless, you know, on, on the uh, next Tuesday, and it's like, yeah... Yeah, you're new here, aren't you? Yeah, we still like you, but so yep, yep. that's the game. Uh, I don't have anything else yeah. to add. So yeah, on that note, um, follow us along on social media. Uh, we're gonna try to get this rock and rolling again uh, to the best that we can. Uh, on Facebook, you can search for Cap City Outfitters. On Instagram, we are Cap City Outfitters too. Uh, on our website, CapCityOutfitters.com, you can find out information for how to do an FFL transfer or how to purchase a suppressor via our storefront over at silencershop.com. Also on the website, you can sign up for our email newsletter that comes out once a week on Fridays, or drop us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com. And then we're here in Hilliard, Ohio, uh, 4465 Cemetery Road. We're in front of the Aldi's. We're directly next to Louis Fusion Drill. Try the Mofongo. Yep. Uh, we're here Tuesday through Friday, 10 to 5, and Saturdays, 10 to 3. And we look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Appreciate it.